Whether you're feeling happy, sad, mad or glad, it never hurts to change it up. Tired of the rut you're stuck in but don't know what to do? Change it up! Life Transitions expert, speaker and best-selling author Paula Shaw will be leading the charge each week exploring topics that inspire men and women to welcome change and create a new kind of conversation. Join a movement that encourages truth, respect, innovation and cooperation at home, in the workplace and around the world. Ready to change it up? Here's your host, Paula Shaw. Welcome to Change It Up with Paula Shaw Radio. I am delighted to have you here with me today. We are talking about the mystery of male sexuality today, and we're being brought to you by Sherry Blair, the financial consultant who is all about empowering women to grow beautiful financial futures. Sherry can be reached at 619-997-0416 or at sherryblair.com, and that is spelled C-H-E-R-I. B-L-A-I-R dot com. Well, welcome. You know, uh, as a life transition expert, my work is all about guiding men and women through change and the challenges that it presents. If you want to learn more about my work, please go to paulashaw.com. But one of the reasons that I wanted to create this show, Change It Up with Paula Shaw, is because Change is a constant in life. You know, it's kind of the one thing we can count on always happening. And all growth happens outside of our comfort zones. And we are usually pretty uncomfortable with change because it's unfamiliar. But on this show, we are all about spotlighting the groundbreaking innovators who are creating change and about bringing you the stories and the information that help you better understand change so you can embrace it, not resist it, and not get stuck in, in a negative spiral around changes that you feel are being imposed on you. So we, we try to bring you topics and guests and people who are going to talk to you about change and about how to change it up to make your life work better. Today, we're going to change it up actually on our show by doing a different kind of format. We're going to do a panel today of men discussing male sexuality and some of the pitfalls that many men these days are falling into as a result of changing times. You know, my original training was in addictive disorders and I am a big believer that underneath all addiction is some kind of unreconciled loss. It might have been a loss from childhood. It might have been a loss of attention from our parents. It might have been a physical loss of family or a father or a mother or a school that we loved. But when loss does not get healed, loss naturally results in grief when there's no opportunity to process that grief and heal that grief, we end up with, with a pain. It's, sometimes it's almost physical, but it's a psychological pain. And sometimes along the way, we find something that soothes that pain a bit. 
I mean, most of us are familiar with people we've known who somewhere in high school had their first drink and went, whoa, now I feel comfortable in the social scene, you know, or tried some kind of a drug or weed or something that eased that psychological pain for them so they were then more comfortable being part of the herd or more comfortable with themselves. So I look at everything from the perspective of like when I'm working with clients in my in my practice, whatever their issues are, I'm always kind of looking for the problem beneath the problem. What was the loss? What was the unhealed grief that maybe has been causing some kind of ache for years that they then found a behavior or a substance to soothe? So talking with me today about all these issues will be Joshua Shea and Tony Overbay. And we're going to be looking at some interesting questions. We're going to be looking at, hopefully, a lot of the questions those of you out there who have questions about this sort of thing are asking. So let me tell you a little bit about the gentleman who will be joining me in just a moment. Joshua Shea is a freelance writer and former magazine publisher from Auburn, Maine. He started working in journalism at 17 years old for a, his hometown newspaper, The Sun Journal. In 2009, looks like he'd really caught the bug by then, he launched the Lewiston Auburn Magazine, the first lifestyle magazine of its kind in central Maine. Later, he captured a spot on the Auburn City Council where he served for two years. But then in 2014, his addictions got the better of him. Following intense rehabilitation, he has worked mainly as a ghostwriter for corporate clients. While he's written many books for others or under a pen name, his latest book, The Addiction Nobody Talks About, is both his first memoir and his first long-form book, published under his real name, and it is available on Amazon. Shea also operates RecoveringPornAddict.com, where he provides information about pornography addiction and he recently not launched PornAddictCounseling.org for people who believe they may be addicts or maybe that their loved ones are and they're seeking advice or seeking support from someone. So Joshua has done something really incredibly beautiful with, with an issue that he dealt with himself and we'll certainly be hearing more about that soon. Just for those of you that don't know, um, there are some pretty amazing statistics about the magnitude of pornography addiction in our culture because pretty much everybody has a computer these days and pornography is so accessible on the internet. So this is one of the aspects we'll be looking at in the discussion we're going to have shortly. The other gentleman joining me will be Tony Overbay. And this is another amazing gentleman. Uh, today, he is a licensed marriage family and uh, marriage and family therapist, a certified mindful habit coach, and also a popular motivational speaker. Tony regularly speaks at corporate training events, schools, and churches in formal and casual settings, mixing humor, clinical experience, Christian faith, and a wealth of personal stories gleaned from years of helping others achieve their goals. 
He is also the host of his own podcast called The Virtual Couch. Tony was once a promising baseball player. I mean, like he was called the best ball hitter, the best bad ball hitter. (laughs) I don't know what a bad ball is, but I'm going to find out. Oh, I'll bet that's a bad pitch. I'll ask him. He was called the best bad ball hitter that his coach had ever seen. But then he was run over by a 28-foot dual-prop ski boat shortly after his senior year while on a trip with friends at Lake Powell. He still carries the scars from that that, um, ski boat. The accident unfortunately halted his baseball career. But Tony, as I'm sure we're going to see more of very shortly, he was a very resilient man. And instead of letting that destroy him, it set him on a path, eventually leading him to create the path back. We'll be asking him more about that. He spent 10 years then as a software executive traveling the world and presenting at conferences and trade shows, and eventually started several of his own companies. And then... Oh, but this is one of the things I loved. Despite being told he would never be able to run distances due to the damage on his leg, Tony has since run over 150 marathons and ultra marathons, which are longer than 26.2 miles, including the Boston Marathon. So this is a guy who knows about being the comeback kid and who's been there and who's now dedicated his life to becoming a marriage and family therapist, primarily to work with men's issues. So he focuses on helping people overcome addiction, primarily working in the area of pornography addiction and compulsive sex behavior. So obviously, we have got two incredible men to share this conversation with us today, and I am really looking forward to it. Because as I said, the statistics on pornography addiction are, are huge. 48% of families say that porn is an issue in their home in some way. 33% of 18 to 30-year-old males have self-diagnosed themselves with a porn issue. 24% of people have admitted to looking at porn at work. And this one really kind of blew me away. of married men have looked at porn in the last six months. So this is not just something we want to push under the table because as Joshua reminds us, you know, we've pushed under the table addiction for too long. You know, we're in the middle of an opiate addiction now that's a big problem. And maybe some of this would not have occurred and would not have grown as it has, if we had paid more attention sooner. In fact, Josh was telling me, Joshua, that, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about men in, t- in light of the Me Too situation, and time is up. But one of the statements he wrote that I thought was really powerful was, you think this Me Too stuff is rough. What does the world look like when 30 to 50% of all men and 20 to 30% of all women have a porn addiction. That's what it will look like in 2040 if we don't do something soon. So after this break, I will come back with 
Joshua Shea and Tony Overbay, and we're going to talk about the mystery of male sexuality. And we will be right back. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more Change It Up with Paula Shaw on AM 1170, The Answer. Change Now, more than ever, it's important for women to understand why they need a financial strategy. Women tend to make less money than men, live longer, and face more financial challenges during retirement. Hi, I'm Sherry Blair. With evolving roles and increasing responsibilities, women are seeking out ways to become more knowledgeable about their finances. My life's work has been to empower women to make good financial decisions today to help ensure you have a bright future tomorrow. I'm here to help you learn more and to become more. Give me a call for your free no-obligation consultation or a second opinion at 619-997-0416. 619-997-0416. That's 619-997-0416. Cherry Blair is registered with and securities are offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, is not an affiliated company. California license number Z- For those looking to improve their lives, there's nobody better to turn to than Paula Shaw. Paula helps people regain successful lives by identifying and eliminating self-sabotaging behavior using a multitude of mind-body techniques to identify and resolve their core issues. Working with a wide variety of healing modalities, she provides her clients with the most effective process for their specific needs. To book a session with Paula, call 858-480-9234. That's 858-480-9234. Welcome back to Change It Up. Now here's your host, Paula Shaw. And welcome back to Change It Up with Paula Shaw. Brought to you by Sherry Blair, the financial consultant who is all about empowering women to grow beautiful financial futures. Sherry can be reached at 619-997-0416 or at sherryblair.com, spelled C-H-E-R-I-B-L-A-I-R.com. All right, welcome back. We are talking about the mystery of male sexuality today, and with me now are Joshua Shea and Tony Overbay. Gentlemen, welcome. Please say hello to everybody. Hi, Paula. Thanks for, having, uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. That was Tony, right? Yeah, and Joshua. This is, this is Josh, and I. Uh, I also want to thank you for having me on and allowing us to uh, share a little bit about an addiction and a situation that a lot of people are just unaware of, but need to be made aware. Absolutely. And Josh, do you go by Josh or Joshua? You can call me either. I've been called much worse. <laughs> Sounds good. I tend to be one that always goes for nicknames and short names, so. I'll probably be calling you Josh. So Quite all right. Okay, gentlemen. So as we've been discussing, it's a challenging time for men right now. Women are stepping into their power. We've got the Me Too movement and Time's Up. They're in the news every day. I mean, really, I was thinking this morning how much things have changed since I was a child when the roles between male and female were so clear And women were pretty much relegated to the home 
and a small number of careers. In fact, I remember going to college and at that time you were pretty much either preparing yourself to be a teacher, a nurse, or a home economist. That was a pretty popular one back then. Now, of course, we know the sky is the limit for everybody. Um, But women are stepping into CEO positions. Women are starting their own companies. Entrepreneurship is, is rampant, you know, with men and women. And in fact, I heard a new term last week. I don't know if either of you have heard this, but they are now calling them fempreneurs. So, I have not heard that. Yeah, pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? I like it. Yeah. So I want to ask you, what do you feel the impact of this shift with women is on male sexuality? Tony, I'll, I'll ask you first, and then we'll hear what Joshua has to say. You bet. Thanks, Paul. And, and, I, and I think <clears throat> kind of to lead into uh, your, to answer your question, I like how you said at the beginning that you, um, you did a lot with addiction early in your career. And I like how you said that under all addiction is this unreconciled loss, because I, I believe that a lot of um, addiction is, it's a symptom, it's a coping mechanism, and it comes from a place where people aren't happy with their lives. They aren't yes. happy with their, their marriage. They're, they're not happy with their career. Um, they're not happy uh, and how they parent. And a lot of that is because however, you know, if that was modeled a certain way, or if they just are, especially men in particular, have such a hard time being vulnerable, being open, and, uh, and so I think a lot of that does lead to this kind of isolation or, or trying to find these behaviors, like you said, that just will kind of give, give the brain a, a nice rush. And then over time, then um, that becomes a pattern. And so in the vein of your entire premise of your show being about change, um, you know, I feel like addiction is, is the anti-change. I mean, it's the exact opposite of change. So, you know, I feel like the more that we are talking about empowering women um, what needs to happen with that is men being able to be vulnerable. And I still think that is, that is just a, a hard thing for them to do. Um, whether it's in our DNA or, uh, or the way you nature or nurture, I think men have a hard time just being vulnerable and open and honest. Yes. And, you know, uh, you just said something about addiction being the opposite of change. I really kind of love that because I remember when I was doing my, my schooling, they said that choicefulness is a hallmark of health and healthy living. But addiction is no, we aren't choiceful when we're addicted, right? We are compulsed to do a certain we're, thing. We're slaves. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah. slaves to behavior. And, and, it's, uh, and so then oftentimes if we find that we want to do something different, if we are ready for change and it seems uncomfortable, then what does our brain do? Our brain says, wait, 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 we don't like to be uncomfortable. And here's this pattern of behavior that is at this point, you know, dug in deep in, uh, in the neuropathways of our brain that says, remember, this is what will bring us this temporary joy. Right. Only every time that we come out of that, you know, addiction cycle, whether it's with pornography, whether it's food, whether it's gambling, whether it's TV, um, games on your phone, you come out of that and it's like, okay, I don't feel any better. And so, you know, I can't let that happen again, which then just sets us up for more and more failures. So much shame is around um, mm-hmm. addiction and, and shame is just what fuels this entire problem. I agree. So, Josh, uh, you can tell us firsthand about porn addiction and what it was like in your life. But do you feel that that some of these behaviors are a result of men being confused about where they stand now with women in changing roles? You know, I think it goes much, much deeper than societal changes or societal mores. Uh-huh. Um, you can look back and find 
you know, go, go back to ancient Roman times and you hear, you know, the stories of the wild sexual right. escapades of, of, you know, Caligula and some of these other uh, leaders. I think that this is something that is far more DNA based than uh, or can change quickly with societal mores or what is acceptable or not acceptable right now. Mm-hmm. I think that this is really a hardwired thing that perhaps we're in a time that ha- it has to be addressed more because of how society is changing, and that's not a bad thing. Well, that's a really interesting perspective. So it isn't necessarily just a sign of the times, as we might say, but, but the, the drive is deeper. So what is the drive? If you wouldn't mind, Josh, sharing from your own story, was there unhappiness, discontent with your life? Or, you know, because I also know sometimes behaviors just become habitual and they certainly can be more fueled if we're unhappy or we're escaping pain. But sometimes we just start doing things and before we know it, you know, the the neural nets are created and the brain is locked in. So what, what do you feel about that, Josh? Yeah, no, I was the kind of addict, and I also uh, struggled with alcohol for many, many years. Uh-huh. I was the kind of addict with both uh, pornography and alcohol, where the first time I saw hardcore pornography and the first time I got drunk, both as a child, um, it just felt like my world opened up and I suddenly found something that was going to make my life better, was going to make my life easier. I felt like I had discovered, I had discovered the answer to my fears. I had discovered the answer to my anxiety. And I don't know how much anxiety an eight or nine year old kid has, Uh but I knew right then and there, the first time that I saw hardcore pornography, that this was something that was going to stay with me and was going to be a soothing mechanism my entire life. And that's really what it was. Um, straight up until, you know, it got to a, a critical phase of the addiction. It was one of those things that was a crutch that I could go to away from everybody on my own and just escape into a world of fantasy where there wasn't stress, where there wasn't real problems, where there wasn't a woman who would ever say no to me, where Mm. there was nothing but my control. And that's really what I escaped to. Um, And I was addicted from day one. Wow. You know, I I find it really interesting that you said it was going to make my life better and easier. Because I have a feeling every, every addict feels that in the beginning. And then the ultimate outcome is just the opposite, right? You know, your life isn't better and it certainly isn't easier. And then the addiction becomes a problem usually in every area of your life. So, I, Absolutely. I, th- I think most people, I think a lot of people who maybe have uh, drank a little bit too much mm-hmm. um, or smoke a little bit too much can understand that it reaches a point where what once did it for you doesn't do it for you right. anymore. Right. And you need to chase either, you know, more frequently or mm-hmm. more intensity to, to get the same thing you got in the past. Yes, exactly. And Tony, you brought up some yeah. interesting issues earlier on, and and um, I see that you're in the same camp I am in terms of re- believing that underneath all this, you know, it's interesting, Josh just said, 
I'm not sure how much anxiety an eight-year-old kid can have, but we know there are emotional issues underneath addictive behavior, right? Sure. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the thing where I, what I love is working as a therapist when you get somebody that really does feel safe and, uh, and they can, you know, they feel like they can really open up about anything. Yeah. You do hear about a lot of these ideas of, um, you know, I thought I was going to be an astronaut or I thought I was going to be a professional athlete or I pictured that I would be married to the supermodel and all my kids would be like on the sound of music. Um, the good part, not when they were, <laughs> you know, but and, and then, then when these things don't happen, um, then, then it's like, okay, I, you know, it can't be me or this isn't my life or I have to escape. And, and, uh, and so, I, so when I start working with people, it really is, okay, we're going to work on behavioral mechanisms and we're going to work on changing the relationship with thoughts. We're going to do some mindfulness work to kind of work through the intensity of that, um, that, that withdrawal in that moment. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, we have to be doing work on who do you want to be? You know, what do you want to, what do you want to, here we go, change in your life. And, and then how, how do we drown out all of the, you know, the people, the negative people around you that are telling you it's too late? Or you can't do that. I mean, I've, I've worked with people that have done massive career change late in life mm-hmm. um, or, you know, they take up uh, hobbies or um, a good friend of mine took up the banjo. I mean, you know, I have people mm-hmm. that start to become uh, the ultra marathon runners or have somebody that uh, crochets or whatever it is mm-hmm. that is going to be that thing that is going to get you out of that. I'm not happy in my life moment, which leads to that addiction. And and so in a way you're saying so you're you're trying to help people substitute some kind of positive behavior to help them feel more comfortable in their lives rather than doing whatever that addictive behavior was. Absolutely. I mean, the, the brain, you know, and this is what I think is kind of interesting. The brain really uh, wants to live forever. And the way it feels like it can do that is to kind of relax. So mm-hmm. there's this uh, cool little, do we have time, Paula? Can I, can I go on a little soapbox here? Yes, um, you've got two okay, minutes. So there's a little part of the brain. There's a little part of the brain called the basal ganglia. It's the habit center. It's a little walnut-sized part of the brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get good at brushing your teeth or backing your car out of the driveway, your brain says, hey, we're good. I don't have to expend a lot of energy. And it's going to put it away into that habit center, this basal ganglia. Right. And so that the same happens with addiction. So the brain, when it starts to feel any kind of stress or overwhelmed, or if we think, okay, I do want to start whatever, exercising, I do want to take on this new hobby, I do want to try to be a better father, as soon as that discomfort hits, then the brain says, hey, let's kick this into the habit center, and and the basal ganglia takes over, and and here's this habitual pattern, whether it's um, pornography or or alcohol or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so then I, you know, I used to use this phrase, I was a Star Wars fan for a long time, where (laughs) then all of a sudden people feel like they're in the tractor beam, they feel like they don't have any control. They feel like, you know, there, there's no way to stop this train of negativity that's heading toward this addictive behavior. Yes. So, you know, it takes these new behaviors um, to change these neuropathways of the brain. And it's not like just doing it one time is going to you know, change these deep neuropathways. It has to be this, you know, the awareness of when you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. and then making that decision or that choice to do this new behavior. And, it, and, and then, you know, rinse, lather and repeat, which is a pretty funny joke, involved, <laughs> but nobody can see that. But I mean, it has to be. A, a, it has to be. You have to commit to that right. that pattern to be able to to break this this cycle. You know, in in my work with people dealing with addiction too, I use a lot of the tools of energy psychology, and basically, and and I love the the interface between energy psychology and neuroscience, and you know, all these wonderful things we're learning now. Because as you're saying, yes, the brain is a survival organism, and it's yeah. it's got one goal. Doesn't care if you're happy. It just cares that you survive. And right. so it can certainly lead us down some wrong pathways if it thinks something is going to help your survival. 
And right. we will, let's talk a little, well, let's get right back into this after we come back from this break. We will be right back. We'll be right back with more Change It Up with Paula Shaw on AM 1170, The Answer. Change Well, hon, I'm going in. Going in? Uh, Upstairs to the office to figure out our insurance. No need. Uh, Can't put it off. I'll see you in about six hours. Bill, there's no need. Huh? Well, I took care of it in about ten minutes. Whoa, hon, this is complicated stuff. Yep, so yesterday I called Clune. Clune? Clune Insurance. They're brokers who handle all types of insurance for a bunch of companies. I told them our needs, they're working up a plan, and they'll be dropping by to explain everything. Yeah, but, you know, the extra cost of using a broker? No extra cost, and we get personal service. Not some out-of-the-country call center when we have a question or claim. They handle all insurance? Look, here's the info. Health, Medicare, dental and vision, disability, accident, critical illness, cancer insurance, and long-term care. They handle it all. No extra charges. Clune. Clune Insurance. (laughs) The guys are right. I'm married up. Clune Insurance. now,more-than-ever,it's-important-for-women-to-understand-why-they-need-a-financial-strategy. I'm here to help you learn more and to become more. Give me a call for your free no-obligation consultation or a second opinion at 619-997-0416. 619-997-0416. That's 619-997-0416. Cherry Blair is registered with and securities are offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, is not an affiliated company. California license number 0B42369. Welcome back to Change It Up. Now here's your host, Paula Shaw. Welcome back to Change It Up with Paula Shaw. We are being brought to you today by Sherry Blair, the financial consultant who is all about empowering women to grow beautiful financial futures. She has a passion for working with women, for educating women, and really helping them to understand their money and make it last. Sherry can be reached at 619-997-0416 or at sherryblair.com, spelled C H E R I. B-L-A-I-R.com. All right. We are in the middle of a fabulous discussion here with Joshua Shea and Tony Overbay, who have both joined me. Tony is an MFT who works with people in all kinds of areas of life. He's been an inspirational character to many people because he did some amazing things in his own life. And Joshua is not only a journalist, but has written a very important book, called The Addiction Nobody Talks About. And that book is available on Amazon. And gentlemen, I want to be sure that at the end of this segment, we give everybody your contact information if they, in fact, let's do that right now. Tony, would you give your contact information first? 
you bet. Uh, people can just stop by TonyOverbay.com, um, T-O-N-Y-O-B, like Victor, E-R-B, like boy, A-Y.com. And, uh, and there I have, um, you can uh, access the Virtual Couch podcast and I also the Path Back program, which is a pornography addiction recovery program, which is a series of videos and a workbook. It's all strength-based, positive, evidence-based um, methods to help people break free from pornography and compulsive sexual behavior. And you can also sign up uh, at the TonyOverbay.com to hear more about some programs I'm working on for couples communication, parenting, um, that sort of thing. Wow, great. And Josh, how did they reach you? Um, I would say the best place to visit is recoveringpornaddict.com. That's where you can get links to purchase my book. The book itself is about my descent into porn addiction, uh, looking back from a place of recovery. My site itself is more focused on recovery and resources. There's also a link to the service I recently began offering of uh, advice and support to people who believe they may have a porn addiction or loved ones who may want to talk to somebody, um, yet not make that leap to a more uh, professional, intense kind of therapy. Um, And just ask a few questions of someone who has been there and who has been through it. Fabulous. Thank you both. Both of you gentlemen are offering some wonderful services to our listeners. And you know, uh, we were just talking a moment ago about the brain and how it's this survival organism, right? And it's not really concerned if your life's working or if your, your, your wife loves you or your kids think you're right on point. It just cares that you survive. And earlier, Josh, you mentioned that when you first discovered porn and alcohol, you went, whoa, this is it, right? Like I found it, the, the holy grail. My life's going to be better and easier. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey with all of that, because obviously, since you're in recovery and you're now trying to help people to recover from this addiction, it didn't get better and easier. Can you tell us a little bit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, first thing, uh, you know, is that we talked about, you know, the brain just wants to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, when a lot of my, you know, journey starts when I was uh, being taken care of by somebody who, you know, in retrospect was quite mentally ill. And I, you know, as, as, as my uh, daily caregiver, not someone in my family, but she was a babysitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, there was uh, you know, multiple levels of abuse that took place there. And I developed the coping mechan- two coping mechanisms that really played a big part. Number one was just survive to the next day. Mm-hmm. Say what you need to do, do. Do what you need to do. The whole point of, of what you're doing is just to survive to the next day. It doesn't matter how wrong or dirty it gets. And the other one was that uh, if you become friends with the key holders, if you become friends with the people in power, you can be, um, you can, you can have an easier time than the people who don't recognize that. And over time, um, I realized that, gee, forget making friends with the person in power, become the person in power. Uh-huh. And so I over uh, achieved, like I, like you heard, you know, I was a newspaper reporter at the age of 17, 18 years old. Um, I rose to the point of uh, owning and operating my own magazine in Central Maine. I launched one of the largest film festivals in northern New England, and I was a local politician, not to mention also having a wife and also having kids. Um, My way of surviving and escaping was to really run from who I was. 
And it was when I'd be there late at night after the kids had gone to sleep and my wife had gone to sleep and there was no more work to do and nobody who needed me or who thought I was special that left alone to just be with myself. That's when I couldn't handle things. And that's when my uh, porn addiction really uh, would take over. Um, It was something that I successfully hid for a very, very long time. Um, But it was it was the it was my last line of defense of having to deal with who I really was. So you are what you have just described to us is in exact alignment with what Tony and I were saying about, you know, the loss and the unreconciled grief. So you went through this abuse and obviously couldn't get help, couldn't share it with anybody or get what you needed to try to heal that grief, that loss. And then at some point found something that helped soothe that pain. I think that's so Exactly, awesome. exactly. And, you know, in public, I could drink to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And in private, I used pornography. So I had all my bases covered. I see. And it was, I tell you, it was to the point where my wife has recalled this, where I would leave the house and actually say things out loud, like, okay, now it's time for me to go play city councilor. Okay, now it's time for me to go be the magazine guy. Because I really had segmented my life wow. into characters that I could easily fall into and not have to worry about, you know, mm. the real Joshua Shea, you know, surfacing. Because I didn't want anybody to see who that person was. And I didn't want to know who that person was myself. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's so interesting when you talk about this segmenting that you did. Because, of course, we think of a healthy life as being whole, right? You know, like every... Everything works together. What you say is is what you do and, and who you are, and you walk your talk when you're living a healthy life. But you were actually living different compartments or different segments to accommodate this pain that you were experiencing that you didn't know what to do with. It's, yeah, that's exactly and I, and I think, correct. Yeah, Tony, go ahead. And, and I, and I, well, I think, Paula, and um, I think that I love that concept because I remember some of the things I noticed early on as a therapist working primarily with men was how often men lived this dual life and felt like that was, again, part of just that's what you do. And, uh, and that's what I think addiction does. And, and I feel like, you know, part of the journey of overcoming addiction is I know Josh's details in, in the book and on his website and, and on a podcast that he and I did together was just how open and honest you have to, to be. Mm-hmm. And then once you can kind of live more of your authentic life and you're not hiding these things in your life that uh, you feel this shame about, um, that then that, that duality kind of disappears. And, and if you don't mind, and I don't know if it's okay, I want to jump in and just the, the reason why I love what um, Josh is doing with his website, his book, and, and being this vulnerable is a lot of the things that he's talking about were, were happening when he was young and not having anybody that he could talk to yes. or, or not, you know, and I'm, so this is that part where I just want to say anytime I get a chance to speak that we have to, to bring these conversations to um, our children, to our teenagers, even if it's uncomfortable, we have to be able, this is part of what I, you know, this, this new movement is being able to talk about this and removing that negative stigma because, you know, long gone are the days of if my child views pornography, it's when, I mean, it's a matter of when, and so yes. then it's being able to have healthy conversations around it. Um, have conversations where the, your, your kids are not going to feel this shame or, you know, that you feel like they are horrible person, people because they ran into something on the Internet or they did have curiosity. Yes. But being able to talk about it, because by not talking about it, as Josh laid out, you know, perfectly, 
Um, and it becomes again, more about the isolation and about the shame and uh, which then leads to this duality. And that's, I think what we need to really address as soon as we can. That is such an important point. And you know, it's funny, I remember in my own life, the first time I went to an Al-Anon meeting because my husband was in recovery for alcohol addiction and all these women are sitting in this room bearing their truth about you yeah. know what they said or what they did or what's happening in their homes. And I was floored because I grew up in a family where it was kind of like we don't air the family's dirty laundry out in public. And, right. and yet I was fascinated with how exciting it was and how healing it was when people actually told the truth and and you know bared themselves warts and all as they say in program and everybody yeah. still liked everybody and i was like whoa this is so cool yeah. and in fact i'll take it a step further people grew to love each other more because of the honesty and the truth and the yeah. bonding through their woundedness that's so exactly. important, and I think what you're saying is so important. You know, what, what both of you men are saying and doing, speaking out, telling the truth, letting people know, yeah, I'm not a perfect being. You know, I, I have experienced pain. I have experienced addictions and problems because every, I'm a great believer everybody's got something. You know, and especially today, so many of us are addicted to our cell phones and our computers and and so many other things. So you're so right. And and in our next segment, which unfortunately is our last, because we have to keep this conversation going, gentlemen, I want to talk a little bit about, Josh, why you sought help, how you sought help, and what we can do for people who want to get help. So let's get into that in just a moment when we come right back. We'll be right back with more Change It Up with Paula Shaw on AM 1170, The Answer. When you're the victim of an accident or someone's negligence, insurance companies are not going to give you fair compensation for your injuries, damage to your property, and lost income. They actually try to minimize your claim. Don't sign anything until you talk with John Sahar and the Sahar Law Firm in Carlsbad. For over 29 years, John has done battle and has won millions of dollars in damages, medical bills, loss of earnings, and pain and suffering for his clients. John Sahar will stand toe-to-toe with the big insurance companies to make sure you get every dime the law demands. And you don't pay until John collects money on your behalf. From San Diego to L.A., Santa Barbara to San Bernardino, for auto accidents, product liability, dog bites, any injury caused by another, if it brings pain and suffering, bring Sahar to the case. For a free case evaluation, call 760-683-2048. 760-683-2048. The Sahar Law Firm, fighting for you. 760-683-2048. Welcome back to Change It Up. Now here's your host, Paula Shaw. Welcome back to Change It Up with Paula Shaw Radio. We are having an amazing discussion today. It's our first panel discussion, and I am loving this format. And I was blessed to have two amazing gentlemen joining me for this discussion today. Or I am blessed, and they are Joshua Shea, author and, um, and journalist, and also Tony Overbay, marriage family therapist, both working with 
male sexuality issues and particularly this issue of pornography addiction. So Josh, I'd love to ask you, we, we've talked a little bit about what kind of drew you in and how it went and this sort of double life you were living or maybe triple. <laughs> it seems like you were doing a lot of different things, a lot of different roles. But finally, you decided it wasn't working. It, you had to go into recovery. Why and how did that happen? Well, you know, I was I was almost dragged kicking and screaming, uh, and thankfully that's the way it happened. My uh, my professional life was, you know, imploding in early 2013. Uh. Um, my relationships with my wife and kids were getting estranged, and I made the very fateful mistake of pulling myself up my bipolar medication, thinking that... If I could tap into my manic side, I could fix the problem with my with the uh, uh, money coming in at work. I could fix the relationships with my family. And instead, what happened was uh, not having that uh, medicinal support. Mm-hmm. I turned to alcohol and pornography like I never had before. Oh. And and you know it was it was a uh, I went from the ongoing stage very quickly to a critical stage. Uh, and that includes the escalation of, of both things. With pornography specifically, I stopped just watching videos on the computer and I started going into chat rooms and um, convincing women to do things uh, that most people would never think about doing on a computer screen. Oh. Um, and I did, I did this for uh, a few months. And then one day in early 2014, the Maine State Police showed up at my door and let me know that one of those women was actually a teenage girl. And my life came crashing down on that day. And while at the moment it was one of the scariest things that had ever happened to me, it's probably the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Despite the TV cameras and the newspaper reporters and everything else that happened, it, uh, it took everything down in one fell swoop. I don't think if my parents or wife had tried to hold an intervention with my drinking, I would have paid any attention. I don't think if I would have lost my job, that would have done enough to stop me. I needed something to just knock my life down completely. Mm. Thankfully, those police showed up at the door. They could have been angels. Uh, within two weeks, I was in alcohol rehab in California. Um, I came back, very intense therapy, where I finally came to the acceptance that I had a pornography issue. I then went off to uh, a uh, sex and porn addiction rehab in Texas, um, and I did serve six months in jail for my transgression with that teenager, Mm -hmm. which I completely deserved because it was ultimately a choice that I made. But while I was there, I didn't want to waste my time. I wrote the first draft of my book. And <laughs> since, since, coming, since coming out of jail, I've uh, tried to dedicate as much of my time as possible towards spreading information about pornography addiction. Because I tell you, if I can have it, anybody can have it. Mm-hmm. And if I can be an ongoing addict who strays into this kind of area where I never would have gone any other time in my life, well, that can happen to anybody. And I think that's an important thing for people who are listening who maybe have a bit of a porn addiction but don't think it's that bad. Well, this is where it can lead. Wow, that is a powerful, powerful story, Josh. And and how wonderful that you are the kind of person that has 
truly made lemonade out of the lemons that that came along there. And I'm wondering, did your recovery work include any kind of grief work? Or was it just basically about behavioral change? Were there aspects of the kinds of things Tony and I have been talking about? Oh, absolutely. And that's the kind of stuff that actually continues today. You know, once once we got, un, you know, untangled the strands and took the puzzle apart and looked at the pieces of how I became the way I did, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I don't say that was easy because that was very difficult work. But, you know, even now today, four years later, I'm still in weekly therapy two hours a week. And, you know, we're dealing with some deep primordial stuff now, you know, the, where the little synapses are firing and why is A happening and what causes B to happen, which mm-hmm. makes C happen and making these connections and going back and, and really taking a look at, at, at how I formed into the way I was, not just in developing addictions, but how what happened to me shaped my views and how my views shaped my choices and really getting deep, deep into it, because that's ultimately where they what needs to heal. You know, it's, it's at the core of the onion. Right. It's, those outer you need to get through the outer layers to get through the to get to the core. Right. But you need to get to that core. And one of the things I love about what you're saying is I think so many people think, OK, I, if I recognize I have a problem, <clears throat> then I just stop. So yes, right. abstinence is a part of recovery, but abstinence, I don't believe, creates long-term recovery, and it doesn't create healthy living. Would you agree? I mean, I need, I'm need. i not saying we don't need to be abstinent from whatever the addictive issue was, but I think this work that you're talking about, Josh, would has to take place if we're ever going to just be comfortable in our own skin, if we're ever going to really enjoy our lives. Would you agree with that, Tony? Yeah, I love what you're saying there. I mean, ideally, absolutely, abstinence would be wonderful. And I do run to people that um, can, when when there's disclosure or they're they're caught or they've had enough, that they can just stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, but I but I do worry if that ongoing work isn't being done, that then if there are relapses or slips, that then here comes that that familiar freight train of guilt and shame. You know, yes. And and guilt is an it's an emotion. It's okay to feel guilt. But then the shame jumps in and the shame says, hey, you're a horrible person and you're never going to be able to get over this. And then and here we go right back into the cycle. Exactly. And so that's why, you know, I love what Josh is sharing. And I feel like what Josh is, you know, is saying and is, is let his story motivate you for change. And then with what we talked about earlier, know that your brain's going to fight you on it, too. It's going to it's going to feel like a good idea. But then when you start to feel, OK, change is going to be difficult or it's going to require work or there are times that I don't want to go to therapy or get up and exercise or do something different mm-hmm. and, and just have some awareness around that. But that's OK. And uh, and just know that, you know, you, you have to start moving forward. Um, don't keep saying that. All right. I, I relapsed again. And so I'll you know, but Monday, you know, next Monday, then I'm on it. Right. Um, it, it's the time is right now that you don't have to hit rock bottom. Mm. I love, I love what you said. And Josh, what, what closing thoughts would you like to share with people about this addiction? Well, like I said, really two things. One, there is no stereotypical porn addict. That's why I wrote my book. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I was a white collar professional, uh, you know, politician, looked at as a pillar of my society, um, wife, kids. Uh, if I can be a porn addict, anybody can. And I have met men, women, old, young, white, black. I've met every kind of person. 
uh, as a porn addict. So there is no stereotype. It's not some 19-year-old kid in his mom's basement who's never kissed a girl in real life. That's just not who it is. Yeah. Um, oh, and also, the other thing, like I said, if you are an addict, if you're experiencing addictive issues, you've got to get some help. Uh, it can go down a horrible road. I am trying to be a cautionary tale for others so they don't end up where I did. And so there were no more victims created like I created. Mm. Um, it, it, I'm, I think that people need to look at this as a legitimate addiction that needs to be treated just like any other addiction that's out there. Oh, thank you both so much for that. And would you please give your contact information one more time? Tony, would you give yours first? Website you bet, please, and a phone uh, number or best place uh, they well, yeah, can reach thank you. You bet. So, um, and thanks again for having me on, Paula. And, uh, and but I would just encourage people to go to it's tonyoverbay.com and you can sign up for, uh, don't, don't uh, sell your email um, address or anything, but um, you can learn more about some programs I have about couples communication, about parenting, obviously about, I have a program on that links from my website called Path Back Recovery. And that is, uh, it's, it's a um, pornography recovery and compulsive sexual behavior recovery program. It's online. Um, it's, it's affordable. It, uh, has a workbook and some videos. It's very strength-based. Um, but as Josh was saying, get help. Um, and if you have to do it online, you know, do that. If you need to go see a professional, do that, but just get help. And I do want to let your, uh, your listeners know as well that, um, Josh did an episode of my virtual couch podcast yes. and I highly recommend that one. Um, it was great. There's actually audio and video of that. You can jump oh, over. Good. And we'll put the that in the, in the channel sh- there. We'll put that in the show notes as well. And I know, Perfect. Josh, that your book is available on Amazon and the other two web addresses people can go to for uh, information and help with pornography addiction. Yeah, my main uh, uh, site is porn, excuse me, recoveringpornaddict.com. You can uh, find links to the book. You'll also find a link to my uh, other website, which is pornaddictcounseling.org. Um, that's a place where if you're looking to stick your toe in the water, talk to someone who was a porn addict, get some suggestions, learn a little bit more, I can help you out there. I didn't have anything like that when I was going through it, and I really wish that resource had been there. Mm. Hopefully I can be there for others. Thank you so much. Thank you, Josh Shea and Tony Overbay. And promise me, both of you, that you will come back. We need to have another discussion. This was great fun. And Thank I wanna- you, Paul. I would love to. Good. All right. I'm holding you to that. And thank you to our listeners. You can find us here on KCBQ on AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego, Saturday and Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. on all the major podcast platforms on 15 terrestrial radio stations across the country, iHeart, Blog Talk. And if you can't remember any of those, just ask Alexa. Also, for more information or information about being a guest or a sponsor of this show, go to changeitupradio.com or paulashaw.com. And be sure and like our Change It Up Radio Facebook page. Join our Change It Up Radio Facebook group. Let us know what you want to hear about. And also check us out on Instagram. We do want to hear from you. We want your feedback. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Change It Up with Live Transitions expert, speaker, and best-selling author, Paula Shaw. 
Join the Change It Up movement with Paula Shaw every Saturday and Sunday at 7pm as we explore topics that inspire, welcome change and create a new kind of conversation. To learn more about Paula, how to be a guest on the show and sponsorship opportunities, visit changeitupradio.com. Whether you're feeling happy, sad, mad or glad, it never hurts to change it up. Change, change, do you ever do?